Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Sunday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. It's Sunday, December 20th, 2015. We're your host, I'm Will Strayhorn. And Alicia Brown. What's up, Alicia? How are you? <laughs> you know, I'm still willing after the Let's Face It Christmas party. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Yes. What yeah. else went on this weekend, though, for you? How was your weekend? <laughs> Other than that. I'm like, I can't get past that. Um, weekend was awesome. Weekend was, yeah. was, was awesome. Um, besides having a little time to rest, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. incorporating that more in my schedule. Um, I did attend a book signing um, for another client. So, wonderful turnout. I, I saw that. I saw yeah. That. I got I emotional. That. Awesome life coach. Um, it was a great weekend. Uh, I, and so I have a question awesome. before we... Yeah. Before we talk about it, so what are you doing? Do you, are you are you like a what are you doing? Do you help publish authors? Are you like a publicist? What are you doing? I I wasn't made privy of this new change, this new division oh, of see, see the lies. I, that what? Tells, the lies that he tells people. I hope you're listening because he's privy <laughs> to everything. He just don't listen and he don't pay attention. But that's okay. There will be more in, in later on about that. But no, um, from okay. beginning to end, everything from concept, from design. If you have an idea, you need to learn how to make the book come together. How to, you know, organize your thoughts. Oh, this was a class that, that you her. excluded me from. Yes. No, oh, oh, see. You, you said it right. You said it right. Jesus. Forgive him, Jesus. Forget. He believes what well, he's telling is the truth. He really do. But he has a memory problem. That was the class that I told you about a month in advance. A month in and advance. I yes, I did. I, I thank you. Did, did, see, did you hear that, Jesus? Did you yeah, hear that, right. Lord? Let I'm that be on record. He forgot. Thank you so much. Glory be to God. Won't he do it? That's good. That's why I'm always bubbling mess and crying. (laughs) But um, this weekend, my weekend was good. I worked. Um, You know, it's been kind of, I've had a lot of time to relax because school is out. What? So um, I got three A's and a B, so I made the dean's list my first semester at ODU. Um, Happy about that. 3.75 GPA. That's awesome. You better go ahead um, and straight home. Yeah, one point, I would have had all A's, but my teacher for my um, Blacks, Crimes, and Justice class gave me, uh, well, not gave me, I earned an 89, one point away from an A. And she couldn't even give, she's my only black teacher I had. She would not give me that we one point. I don't understand that. I know throughout the semester I, I did semester. something to warrant one point. But, okay, you know, I did all right. I did all right. But my weekend was good. You know, last night was awesome. Our Christmas social, but we're going to talk about that once yeah. um, the co-hosts join us. Um, but you know what? Let's bring them on over and see oh, exactly how do. how their weekends was. What's up, yeah. team? How was your How was your weekend? Hey, hey, hey! Hey, hey, My hey! Weekend was great. This is Danielle. Yeah. I, I was busy all weekend. 
Got yeah. to celebrate twice tonight. I actually celebrated my nephew's third birthday. So I've been doing lots of family time, which is cool, in between some interviews. Um, but it was a good weekend. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. What about yeah, it was a great Nate? weekend for me as well. Um, just relaxing and, you know, being in God's presence. All day Okie dokie. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you're, you're not in jail this weekend. No, you know what? I actually gave that life up. Yeah. Did you? Look what at God. Do it? Yeah. No, it really didn't have nothing to do with God. Sometimes oh. it gets old. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you don't even got nothing to do with God. Okay. Wow. I get it. You just get too old, you know, and my back hurt me from the transporting back and forth. <laughs> I'm not even going to go down that road no more, you know. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. What's up, Liz? She's our little our quiet one. You know, last night was my first night meeting Liz. last night. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> What's up, Liz? You guys, it's a Sunday. Let's be holy. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I had a great weekend. I was in the 757 for less than 24 hours. You know, I was blessed with a nice candle and two hot meals. My daddy washed my car and cleaned it out and put gas in it. You know, it was a great week. I didn't have no traffic coming back to Richmond. You know, God, it was a great weekend. I didn't have traffic coming or going, actually, which was a first. Well, that's good. Yes. I had a great relaxing weekend. Good. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk about the party. We had a good time last night, right? It was. It was good. It was really good. You know, it took a twist, which was a good twist. We talked. You know, we had some fabulous. We had some fabulous punch. It was thanks to Liz. That was really good. Thank you, Liz. Yes. Y'all welcome. That was that was off the hook, off the hook. But I had a good time. Good meeting everyone. You know, I had I had never met Liz. I had met, we hung out with Danielle, of course, Alicia, she's here. Um, unfortunately, Jay wasn't able to make it here, but um, yeah. we'll have other functions that he'll be able to come up to. Um, he was the only part of the family that was gone. But, you know, yeah. tonight we have a big show, a big show, so we're not going to um, belabor the hour. We have, first coming up is one of our new hosts. She came on the show um, in August, actually the beginning of the new season in August, Um and she's just remarkable. I watched this young lady grow. Um, she was a little shy thing when she first came on the show, but she is um, she's a force to be reckoned with right about now. Miss Danielle Booz, how are you, Danielle? I am wonderful, and thanks for all the kind words. <laughs> well, you know, I believe them. I believe them. I watched <laughs> you. I watched you um, grow because you know everybody came on the show. I was nervous in the beginning. Sitting in the house by myself, I was shaking, trembling, talking on the phone. And then, you know, I I watched you literally go, and to hear you now, you you don't even sound like you're nervous at all. So I want to commend you on that. Um, You got to step your game up. Uh -uh. When you were Will Strayhorn, you got to step it up. I know, girl. Well, y'all, you did. You did, and I'm proud of you. So that's going to lead me to my first question. All that you're doing, and I see you too. I see you too um, taking your appointments. You're going to D.C. You're on Capitol Hill. Who inspires you? Question changes each day because I can find inspiration in 
the janitor who comes and cleans. So, um, but I would say for today, the person who inspires me would be my mother because she took what she had, which was very little, and gave birth to three children who have went on to accomplish various different things. So she doesn't have the story of her children being in trouble, being doing things illegal. No, all of us have accomplished something and have made her proud. And and that's a testament to the kind of character of her yeah. and the woman she was and the parent she was. So I'm inspired by her, and I try to do my part to make sure I'm a good parent to my kids because of the parent that she was to me. So, okay, so listening to all this and also with the conversations that we were having last night, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have some this type of inner warrior in you. Where did your, your warrior mindset come from? Did it come from your mom, or where did you get that from? Oh, it came from going through hell. So um, when, when I was young, you know, at first it was dealing with, like, my parents breaking up and divorcing and just dealing with that. But then as I got older, I was sexually abused, oh, and wow. that caused all kinds of turmoil. I was in a dark space. I was running the streets. My grades went from good to bad. I wasn't sure if I was trying to finish school. And I just spiraled at that that point, and I was not doing very well. And as I would come out of it, like I got had my daughter, and I said, okay, so this is something to live for now. And this was something I tapped in to have some success. So I went and got my degree, and I said, okay, mm-hmm. things are turning around. And then I got hit with sickness. And oh, wow. so it always was something, and it wasn't like a cold. Like I had a heart attack where I almost lost my life. So I continue to get hit with things, but I come back and I refuse to give up. And right. I think that that what has that is what has built the warrior in me because nothing's gonna knock me down, and I refuse right. to fail. So I'm gonna continue to just keep fighting. Well, that's good. That's good. And you know what, your kids. They see that in you, so you're passing that down. Whether you know it or not, you're passing those traits down to them as well. So one day when they're asked that question, they'll probably be able to say, you know, my mom, because I saw her not give up during those situations. So that's really good. I want to lighten the conversation up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every girl we were talking about last night, different relationships and life mm-hmm. lessons that we learned. I just wanted to ask you, because, you know, you, you were really talkative last night. Uh, you know, every girl grows up with this childhood crush. Who was your childhood crush and, and why? Well, anybody who knows me knows that I love me some Tupac. Tupac was my husband. I am so serious. Like, it wasn't even a crush. Like, it was real life. I told my mom when I wrote him when he was incarcerated, and he wrote me back. Are you serious? I swear to God. How old were you? When I become an adult, I probably was 11. Oh, my God. (laughs) 10 or 11. I was very, very little. uh, But I had a crush on him that was crazy. And um, he told me when I became an adult to, to look him up. And so uh, I held that. And when he died, I didn't go to school the next day. I was crying. The world ended for me because somebody killed my husband. And I still love him. Like, I contemplate and get a, a tattoo of his name, but my brother told me don't do it. So yeah, don't I didn't do, that, do it yet. Not yet. But that, that was my heart. I saw oh, him. So what was it about him? What what his image, his, his What was it? That plus it was like 
you can never really figure him out. You might get some hardcore gangster out of him, but then uh-huh. you get Dear Mama. Then you get oh, I got you. Plus his I got parents, you. his mother was a panther, and he was so smart. And it was just everything about him intrigued me. I was intrigued by him. I still am, I think. Rest in peace. So you got so so you know what that's another question then you have this you know this badass boss lady image and your website actually describes you as having a badass boss lady and advocate and an advocate what do those descriptions come about you because I don't I see Danielle as this reserved quiet uh-huh. sweet demure spirit where did this this alter ego this badass boss lady come from. Well, I think that you have to have a, a piece of you that has that badass approach because people will walk all over you. Yeah. Um, so I try to be calm and collect, but but badass comes out when when it needs to, and it's, it's real respectful most of the time. Um, but I think that that piece of me carries me along the way, um, so that people take me seriously and people understand that um, I'm important and I'm supposed to be sitting at this table, and you need to hear what I have to say. So when I bring that approach, then it makes it easier for me to step up and be able to say that I matter and my thoughts are important and I'm bringing something to the table. And you mentioned being an advocate. That has been something that I've been doing since uh, when I was in college. After I was sexually assaulted, to deal with it, it was therapeutic for me to go support other women who were sexually assaulted. So I was in college, and I was going to different high schools and sharing my story with young girls and giving them some tips and strategies so that they aren't sexually assaulted, and if they were, kind of giving them um, hope. And and that was my therapy. I was advocating for that. And then later in life, um, my daughter struggled with mental illness, and I saw the struggles there that people have just navigating through the system. And there's some support for the individual, but they don't do a lot with supporting the family. And it's difficult when you are the caregiver for someone who struggles with mental. So that has become something else that I'm very passionate about. So I go out and I advocate and I share my story and I provide resources to individuals so that they know that there are some supports out here. Um, but there are causes that are important to me just because I deal with them personally. Jeez, you know that's that's a mouthful right there. And then I also know that you 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 post pictures all the time. You have um, beautiful kids. You're very busy. Oh, so my question to you is, you know, you have such a a full busy life, and it sounds like you're really doing a lot of the things that you love when you're when you have free time. You know, what does Danielle do just to unwind? You know, to to escape to to be you. What do you do? Well, I'm a Pisces, and I love the water. That was one of the reasons why I moved to Hampton Roads. So when I really need a break, I find some water. And it would be the oceanfront, or I live near a lake. I'll walk back to the lake. Um, I also like autobiographies about different people. Um, Like I just recently read one on Nina Simone. Um, And those kind of things take me out of my life. I like to see someone else, especially someone who has been through things and and how um, they have made it through. So those kinds of things help me. When I'm ready to just chill, I'll drink some wine, read a book, or watch a documentary, or go to some water. Water. That's good. Mm -hmm. So let's play make 
make-believe. Let's use our imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was a tell-all book, you know, I feel like I had a tell-all book about you last night. But if there was a <laughs> tell-all book about you, you know, what would be a chapter in the what would what would be a chapter in the book? What would it be about? Um, one chapter would be about getting my life because I, I I was just doing all kinds of reckless stuff. I could have cared less. Um, and I was depressed, and I, so I think people would know, learn what depression looks like for someone who's sexually assaulted and how you can internalize what happens to you and feel unworthy and feel um, like you're, you're damaged goods, and then you exhibit that about yourself. So I think the chapter, one chapter, would be about that time when I was in a dark space and I'm feeling unbroken and having low self-esteem and, and, and how I, I had a lot of different struggles. Jeez. That's deep. That's really deep. Looking back then, all the things that you've been through, and also, you know, coming up in this family where you you had this wonderful mother, you have these kids where you're instilling these values in them. Looking back, you know, at your teenage self or maybe even younger, what are some things that you would tell yourself now, been, been through all of that up to now? What are some things? that you would tell your younger self? I tell myself not to be so hard on myself and that it's going to get better because I really believe at that space I didn't think it would ever get better. I didn't see life past what I was going through. So if I could look back and talk to myself, I would tell myself, you know, don't be so hard on yourself and things is going to get better. Well, Danielle, I'm enjoying the journey of getting to know you. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot about you now. Um, I know that you also have a business. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your business, and share some of your contact information. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I have two businesses. One's a nonprofit. It's called Achievable Greatness, and I'm working with youth and young adults, and, and that's my passion to help young people with personal and professional development skills so that they can be successful in life. And you can go to our website. It is the same thing, AchievableGreatness.com, A-C-H-I-E-V-A-B-L-E-G-R-E-A-T-N-E-S-S.com. That's how you can get to the nonprofit. Yeah, it's it's a long name, but I'm spelling it out. Because people mess up Achievable. It's a beautiful thing when you see how people spell Achievable. I'd be like, Lord, baby, let me me help you out. Um, but achievable greatness, and then I have a for-profit, and it's my name, Danielle Booz, and I help individuals who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs or who are startup entrepreneurs. If you want more information about that, you can go to the website, which is my name, daniellebooz.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-B-O-O-S-E.com. Awesome. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for agreeing to take part in tonight's show, letting our guests just get a little bit more about um, know a little bit more about who you are. And like I said, I'm enjoying getting to know you. I enjoyed you last night, and I can't wait to just see you know what else lies in the future for you as your in your brand, and then what you do for the show. So, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back. We have another baby. I call her the baby of the show. I don't even know if she's the youngest. But um, she's the baby of the show, Miss Liz Garrett. She's coming up next after this commercial break. You're listening to Let's Face It Radio. Hi, this is Terry Crews. 
actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. Touch DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month, and soon enough, it was gone. So you're just giving up? Giving up on what? The life of luxury. Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. It began with five words. If not me, then who? The Travis Mannion Foundation has taken those five words and grown them into a national movement. The Travis Mannion Foundation is dedicated to assisting our nation's veterans, families of the fallen, and the next generation of young leaders. It's about remembering the sacrifices of all the men and women who've given their lives for this country and honoring their legacies through service in your own community. It's about adopting the motto, if not me, then who? and applying it to your daily lives like so many others have already done. All these great things that we live in this beautiful country, it didn't happen because no one chose to serve. Serving should be in your blood. If not me, then who? From our 9-11 Heroes Run, to putting character to action in your community, discover how you can honor the fallen by challenging the living. Get involved at travismanion.org. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Alicia Brown. And you know, this next person, I have the pleasure of introducing to the Let's Face It family, all of our listeners. You know, I thought I knew Liz. I, I really did think I, I, I knew her. I, I thought that. But after last night's Christmas party, I am not so sure. So, <laughs> we're going to go over to uh, I want to know about Liz. Um yeah, it, it was that good of a party, and it was that much fun. But I knew one version of Liz, and see, this is a good lesson. You think you know people, but you have no idea. So I'm going to start with a very basic question, Liz. What inspires you? What inspires me? Well, first off, Alicia, was I that bad last night? 
Uh, no, you were not. <laughs> you were not. Like, it was just a very a revealing night woman. for us all. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Let me see. Very interesting. What inspires me? Um, I am one of that type of person who I can see the end picture. Mm-hmm. So what inspires me is getting to the finish line. Um, All right. Even though I know once I get to the finish line, there's going to be another finish line, that inspires me. Okay, I got here, now what's next? So the finish line inspires me because it's like, you know, you've, you've, you've gone through everything. You've done it. You can accomplish it. All right. And one thing I will say that I've always known about you, and it still holds true, um, you've always been a visionary. So you've always been one of those people that had, like, several different plans, and not because you were just aimlessly coming up with stuff to do, but just you knew you're not going to put all your eggs in one basket. So you always had several different ways that you want to do things and several different paths that you want to proceed on. So what real legacy do you want to leave? Um, You know, I was asked this question. My mom my mom's a counselor, so she always gives me these deep conversations. And that was a question that she asked me a couple of months ago. Um, and the legacy I want to leave is there's hope. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm about to get into is, which I'm really excited about and something that I've been planning, like you said, I planned, but I really mapped out is um, real estate. But I want to take it in a different level. Um, one thing my mom always told me was that if you don't have peace at home, you're really not mm-hmm. at peace. So a lot of times I see, you know, people, maybe they've made bad decisions or, you know, I mean, people are victim of circumstances and they can't get an apartment or they can't get a house or, you know, they, they're not at peace. So, you know, I want to leave a legacy of hope, which is why I do, I want to open up something where, you know, Maybe you don't have the best credit store. Maybe you don't have a good rental history, but you could come to me and I'll work with you and I'll put hope back in your life. You know, I'll give you a chance to start over. So the legacy I want to leave is I want to let you know that, you know, keep hope alive. You know, there there is another way. All right. And just for the record, because I know Will called you the baby of the group. I think you are the baby of the group. But <laughs> I am. What? <laughs> What things are you currently involved in? We know that you're a college student, but if you could just tell us for the record what type of things you're currently, your current involvements. Um, current involvements right now, um, I'm trying to relocate. So I'm trying to shift everything I'm doing. Um, but right now I am in school. I'm a super, super senior, but prayerfully I'll be done this upcoming year. Uh, but I'm in school. I work a few jobs, and I'm trying to save up for a house. So right now I'm just in a grind mode. I'm trying to get everything set up for what I really want to do. So okay. I'm kind of in my middle phase right now. Mm-hmm. And with everything you said, the way you want to leave a legacy, the things that inspire you, if you had a chance for a do-over in your life, what would you do differently? If I had a do-over, I would follow my heart Um, Mm. because coming out of high school, I was that kid in high school. I never opened my locker. I never looked at a book. I I just got it. I I got it. So when I got to college, I got intimidated because I was like, wow, I don't get it. Like, 
What do you mean I have to read six chapters a night in five different classes? What do you mean I actually have to study? So I got Mm -hmm. intimidated and I got very overwhelmed. So once that happened, I just kind of gave up. And unfortunately, that attitude has followed me the past couple of years where if I get, you know, overwhelmed or if I feel like I can't do it, I don't I don't keep pushing like I used to. I just kind of give up. So my do-over would be I would push through college. When I actually got to VCU, I already had basically an associate's degree. I did an accelerated program through high school. So by the time I actually got there, I really only had a year and a half left. But mm-hmm. I just didn't push through it. So if I could have did that, I would be in a whole different place right now. Mm. Very interesting. So in what ways do you feel like you are your own worst enemy? Hmm. I am my own worst enemy because I'm not afraid of fear per se. I'm more afraid of success because, like I said, I I think of what's next. So my thing is, you know, if you get there, then what? And then, again, that's where that anxiety comes in. Well, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to be next. So I get in my own way where I just I just don't do it. It's like, Liz, if you just do it, the next part will come up. You know, the next part, it, it'll show itself. That is so true because so many of us get in our own way. And just moving on to yeah. a more lighter side because, you know, I'm going to go back <laughs> to the deep side in a minute. What was your favorite <laughs> childhood memory? My favorite childhood memory. Um, let me think. My favorite childhood memory would have to be my dad was in the military. So for most of my life, well, not most of my life, but from, he didn't go on short duty until I was 16. So, you know, by then, I'm trying to drive. I'm not really trying to be bothered. But my favorite childhood memory is my dad surprised us one day and came home early. Uh, my mom said we had to go pick something up on the base. And we're like, okay, whatever. So we're in this building. And I'm like, why are we in this building? And we turn around, and my dad is standing there with, like, mm. flowers for my mom and teddy bears for my And I remember just being so happy, like, oh, my God, my dad is home. And um, because, it was, I mean, it was a really tough time. My mom, it was a time where my mom was in the emergency room, I think, three mm. times that for a week. My brother had a knot on his head. My sister fell off the dresser. And then I ended up with stitches in my hand. So it was just a That's really a tough deployment. I know. So seeing him, it was just like, oh, dad's home. Everything's okay now. So I think that was one of my favorite childhood memories. Oh. And if you could yeah. only keep five possessions, what would they be? Ooh. Um, my phone, <laughs> number I one. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> my phone, um, I would definitely keep. My computer, I'm I'm a tech person, so I like to get into that type of stuff. So my phone and computer, definitely. Um, I think I would keep my car just because yeah. it's almost like uh, not a sign of freedom, but it's like, you know, if you have a car, you can do just about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have an unlimited amount of cash <laughs> well, when um, we that all. I currently don't have. <laughs> but we'll work on that. And another possession, does it have to be material or could it be a person? Mm-mm. Could be a person. Hmm. Oh, Lord. 
I would have to say no, no. I would have to say my mom. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any phobias? Phobias. I do. I have a really bad, not a phobia, but a fear. I'm really scared of cats. Um, and I what? found out a couple of years ago. I know. And I found out a couple of years ago why. Uh, when my when I was born, my mom was 16, so we lived with her grandma. And my grandma said, my great grandma said, to get me off of my bottle, she would. T- she told me that this black cat that will always come in the porch took my bottle. And I feel like from then on, I just never like cats. I've if I see a cat, I will literally haul ass down the street. Like, I will run. You will see me. I will be a sprinter. Like, I do not like cats. And they're so sick. They just scare me. Oh, my. Let's just end the interview. I am done. I can't go on. I can't. I don't want to ask you any other questions. No, I used to. My beloved Morris, God rest his soul. He's in kitty habit right now. But. I'm sorry. Mm. I just. Oh my God, the interview's over. Mm-hmm. I can't go on. But no, I do have. To I'm sorry. It. No, it, I it's can't. okay. I understand. Um, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Things happen. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. I want to uh, know what is one thing. Oh Lord. <laughs> no, see, I told you I was going to go deep. One thing that people do not know about you. Hmm. What is something people don't know about me? Um, well, you know, I might as well share it. Oh, uh, Jesus, maybe I should ask you. <laughs> no. The young came on before, and she had said something. It didn't trigger it, but kind of like a repressed memory. Um, when I was younger, I was actually a sexual assault victim. And mm. maybe a handful of people know it. So... Yeah, um, but it actually it happened when I was around nine, and wow. then I was actually assaulted by a woman when I was a teenager. Whoa! Now that is yeah. something that so, a lot of people do not talk about. Yeah, so it's more prevalent than people really think of, and I think a lot of times it really people is. don't. Yeah, they don't watch out. You know, you have a daughter. And you would think she's okay around other women. But nope. not always, that's not always true. How do you think that has, has changed or, or shaped your life? Um, you know, for a while, not for a while, after it happened when I was younger, it was like, I, to me, you're a kid, you're nine. So you're like, well, maybe this is supposed to happen. So for a long time, I was I always told myself, well, I wanted it, you know, or it, it was okay because I said yes or, you know, but you don't realize you're nine and he's 20. He knows, he knows what's wrong and what's right, you know. So exactly. I think it affects me, and I think that's why I'm so hard on myself because I try not to make decisions that I'm going to regret per se. So I'm really, I'm really cautious around people, especially around men. Right. Like, I, I don't trust men at all. I mean, you know, I trust my father and, you know, a few others, but men that enter my life, I'm very cautious about it. 
Because this is a relative, you know, this, you're my family. So if I can't trust my family, how can I trust a stranger? Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I, I want to just take a moment right here. Um, definitely for advocacy purposes, a wonderful organization called Child Help um, where you can have anonymous, it's an anonymous hotline uh, for national child abuse. So that is 1-800-4-A-CHILD. They have wonderful resources. So if anyone in this moment, this has triggered yes. something, this um, is something that has caused the emotional trigger that you would love to talk to a professional, they are there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, again, that number is yes. 1-800-4-A-CHILD. Or you can also go online to childhelp.org. Definitely want to give out um, that information. And I think that just proved the point. You know, we see and we talk to people every day, but there's things that we just don't know about them. Um, so That's definitely true. thank you for sharing that. And hopefully between you and Danielle and the information you shared already, hopefully someone listening, that has really helped them. Um, to show that there is life after abuse, um, you can go on. You can actually go further, and you can actually use that as something that to help further your success and not let that stop right. you. Yeah. And is there any yeah. way that you uh, feel in the future you'd like to be an advocate as far as that's concerned? Um, I do want to be an advocate. I just. I don't know what way to go about it. I saw something on Instagram. Um, I'm a social media person, and my girlfriend hates it, but she'll live. Um, because it's so – there's bad, but there's also good. And I yeah. saw a little girl and her mom, and they have a um, a brand of clothing, and it's called Tell Someone. And they're, hmm. they're um, targeting it towards the black community. And it's basically the message. Just tell somebody. You can tell anybody. You could tell a teacher. You could tell a police officer. You could tell your mom. You know, because there's a stigma in the black community where, you know, if uncle so-and-so puts his hands up your leg, then just let it go. Or, you know, you're scared that, you know, you're, somebody's not going to believe you. And, you know, I broke my mom's heart when she right. found out. And I felt bad, but it's like, you know, I'm nine. I, I don't, what am I supposed to say? You know, I didn't even know what was happening, you know, right. but she, she talked to me and she was like, you know, I wish you would have just told me. And, you know, it wasn't a guilt thing. I mean, I was 17 when she found out, but it was just mm. like, you know, well, I wish I did tell her, you know, I wish right. I, I wish I did come to her. Cause you know, Maybe I could have got help. Maybe I wouldn't think the way I do, but it's like, you know, everything happens in life for a reason, but if it can be prevented or, you know, if it is happening and it can be stopped, I would love to be able to, even if I, you know, people, it's a cliche, but really, even if I could just touch one person, you know, and make their life totally different, then, you know, I would. So I, I had thought about it before of doing a, opening up a group home um, mm. for girls. Um, because I, I've worked in the, the system, quote unquote, and there's not a lot of safe havens for little girls in the system. You know, mm -hmm. I have friends who, I met people in, at VCU or in high school where, you know, they're in the foster system and they're going through these things. And, you know, it, it's just really sad because it's like people are so just sick 
sometimes. So I, I think I do want to visit that idea again, but I, I'm still in the healing process, so it's going to take some time. You know? Yes. But I would like well, to be an advocate. Yes. Well, there you have it. There's something else that we did not know about Liz that <laughs> makes her just that more of an awesome person. And before I choke completely up, thank you so much, Liz. (laughs) Before I completely lose it, we're going to go and now hear from Mr. Nate Whitfield. Um, He has done his own, I just want to put out this disclaimer. He has done his own pre-recorded interview. So we, at Let's Face It, are not responsible for whatever is in this uh, recording. We have not heard it. But this is going to be Nate Whitfield's way to share who is Nate Whitfield. And with that, we're going to roll that clip. Hi, this is Nate, your co-host here on LFI Radio. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be a part of such an extraordinary team of hosts and co-hosts. And I'm glad that we have this chance to allow our audience to get to know us just a little bit better um, than what you hear on the normal basis from us. So I chose to do my interview a little different because I found a quote from John Simon that said, the key to wisdom is knowing all of the right questions. So what I decided to do is myself a couple of questions to probe so not only that you can get to know me, but in the mean, in the midst of it, I can possibly get to know more about myself. And I believe that the kind of questions that you ask in life determines what type of life you will lead. So my first question, of course, I know everybody wants to know is, who am I? Well, my name is Nathan Whitfield. I'm a 38-year-old Aquarius. I'm from the beautiful city of Jacksonville, Florida. I moved here at the age, I I currently live in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or Norfolk, Virginia, rather, I moved here about, I'm going to say 17 years ago. I was a part of the, I was in the military. I was in the Navy. Um, I was in the Navy for one enlistment. Had a really wonderful time. Um, Then I fell in love, got married, and um, stayed here in Virginia. I've been here for about 16 years now. Um, I'm co-owner of Let's Face It Makeup and Hair Studio. I'm a hairstylist. I'm a makeup artist. Which brings me to my next question, where is what is my passion? So in the next phase of my life, um, My passion is music. And actually, my passion is worship. I love the 
aspect of worship because I understand it. It's my gift. You know, everybody has their calling, and my calling in the ministry is worship. So I'm a student at Old Dominion College. Pray for me because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up out of that. But I'm a student at Old Dominion College, and I was majoring in music, but I'm currently minoring in music. Um, And I wanted to go back to school to one of my favorite Bible scriptures, is study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I wanted to go back to school because I believe one thing that lack in church, because that's just where I will use my gift most of all that. Um, I know that's not the only place I can use my gift, but it's, uh, I believe, currently where God is using me to grow at. And I believe in order to use my gift properly, I have to do it with the spirit of excellence. And so I wanted to go back to school to learn more about um, my voice or my gift. And it's so funny because when I went back to school, I figured out that I know nothing about singing. And you know, you think because you're a singer, you got it all together, that this is a gift. But I figured out I know absolutely nothing about singing and this thing is hard. But, of course, nothing in life is easy if you really want it. So I went back to school to because I wanted to be the best at it. And I wanted to be, when I get in front of people, I'm not just speaking from an authority because I have the position but I'm speaking because I know what I'm I'm talking about. So that's one of the things, one of the reasons why I went back to school, so that I can drive my passion with credentials, if I can use that um, term. So my next question, y'all got to forgive me, my iPad just went out. What are the achievements that you've achieved that you are most proud of? Hmm. So I was in a, I've been in a relationship uh, for 16 years. We've just, you know, we, we broke up for whatever reason. And I believe what I'm most proud of at this juncture in my life is trying to better me for who I want to become. And it was a really hard task. And even now, I still get kind of down because you would think after 38 years I should know me, but I lost me. But what I'm most proud of
Hi, everyone. My name is Nate. Um, I'm one of the co-hosts on here, and I just want to thank our host, Will Strayhorn, for this opportunity to first be a part of such an extraordinary team of people, um, co-hosts and hosts, and to be able to share with our listeners just who I am as a person and to know more about me. So I chose to do my my interview. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows. All righty, just a few technical things. Um, Nate, uh, what... What were you trying to say in that last part, please? Um, I don't know. You got my thighs hurt. <laughs> oh, no, Nate, no, thank no. you. I need, I need that. Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was... I was I was thrilled that you know I had potential. I'm like, oh my god, he is so excited about hello, hello. Yeah. Just like excited about what? Did the iPad go yeah. in there? Yeah. I I don't know. I I I don't know. I I tell you when I was recording that, I think I recorded it like four times. <laughs> That's why I was telling oh. Will I said, I don't think that one is it. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words you'd like to share with our listeners, Nate? I just want to tell you to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Do you hear me? You know what? Do you hear me when I say? <laughs> Nate, I, I I can't with you. So you know what? I'm going to give us all a moment to get ourselves back together, okay? And I'm sure you, you'll have a way to... um. Share a little bit more. I'm sure there's some things that might come to the surface later you will share with us as we continue. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And next, well, I won't tell you who's up next. We'll just have either me, you know, either myself or Will um, come up next. So tune back in with us here at Let's Face It. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Toys, toys, toys for tots. Some have too many, some haven't any. If those who have, give those who haven't. Oh, what a Christmas day. The Marine Reserve will help you, will help you fill your sleigh with lots and lots of toys for tots. So give a little toy today. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh, making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. 
they just told us right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We could never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because, because of, of you. you. There is St. Jude. Club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door, a door that gives them a place to grow, to learn, to belong, a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local boys and girls clubs, visit greatfutures.org. Welcome back to Let's Face It. Um, you know, y'all y'all just been a little bit too deep. Um, especially Mr. Uh, Nate Whitfields. Um, I received a request from an audience member who wanted you to sing. They wanted you to demonstrate what you had learned in school. Um, I, I'm, unfortunately, I have to tell that audience member that Mr. Nate Whitfield said his voice is a little hoarse tonight, so he's not going to be able to demonstrate that. You know, I, I'm praying for you, though, Nate, that the Lord will bless your voice and maybe, you know, you can, um, you know, maybe at the end of the show, you can give us a little musical selection, a little something-something. You know, that's all I'm just saying. Okay, but, uh, and also let, let that audience member know that my PayPal account is open, and as soon as I receive the money, I will go ahead and start the selection. You know what? You, you see, some people you just can't. I got a quick question, though. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a hot topic question. But I got this question for Will. Um, somebody was able to taste a certain pie this week. Pie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I want to <laughs> I, I won't go say that. I won't go say the name. But since you put yeah. it out there, could you give us your review of Patty's Pie, please? Patty's Pie, you know, Patty's Pie, I was excited to see it. I, I stumbled across it. I was actually looking for um, a sweet potato um, pound cake. And then I saw all of these pies. Nobody was around these pies. It was like probably about 50 of them. Um, I got one because I was like, oh, Patty's pies. 
So I grabbed one, and the lady beside me, she grabbed like five. But there was nobody else around me. Um, so I got it home, and I posted it on Facebook. And people started to message me, you know, how's the pie, how's the pie. You know, I wasn't really even pressed to eat it then. I was like, I was going to eat it for dinner. So I ate it like maybe about 9 o'clock that night. And it, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. But it wasn't spectacular. I mean, like. It, Did you heat it up? I heated it up, yeah, because it said um, you can heat for like 20 minutes. So I bit into it, you know, to me, it needed more nutmeg, it needed more more sugar, but I think more nutmeg or something. But it wasn't bad. You know, I ate it all by myself in 20, less than 24 hours, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't okay. bad. So, it, so wasn't it wasn't bad. bad. No, but I mean, it, just, but it wasn't like hours. everybody was selling out of it. It wasn't like that at all. Well, let me, you know, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because the rumor I heard was in your family that your grandmother, God rest her soul, was the one uh-huh. that could shut it down on sweet potato no. pie. No, not at all. So, it was my my grandmother's sister. Oh, your grand. Um, I'm sorry, I misquoted. My aunt. But, yeah, she makes pies. Yeah, and hers are much better than that. Piccadilly's is much better than Patty's. But oh, um, Chuck, shut no. up, shut your mouth. Because yeah. that's why I was going to ask you. Was it because? Because you know, for me, I, I've never tried Patty's pie. So let me put that disclaimer out. But my grandmother, God rest her soul, was the one that shut it down on sweet potato pie. And mm-hmm. the weird thing is, I've never talked her about her recipe, but I discovered after she passed, when I went to make sweet potato pie, I uh-huh. make it where it tastes just like her pie. So for oh, me, okay. I never buy a sweet potato pie because to me it doesn't make sense. You're uh-huh. not going to get your recipe like hers. So my, I was wondering if you felt that way because you're used to a really good sweet potato pie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sometimes with people that not used to that, the box tastes really good. So I wonder what uh, that's the difference. Or I don't know. Now, one thing that Patty did say, she said, remember, this is not the pie that you'll get if you come to our house because they have to remove a lot of things to right. preserve it. So I'm thinking maybe a lot of that got lost in them having to mass produce and then make mm-hmm. it so because it's not in the refrigerator. They're sitting out, you know, right. in the store. They're not, like, in the frozen part. So I'm thinking, you know, if I go to, when I go to her house, I'm sure she'll cook me a, a real Patty pie. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. When Patty cook your pie, baby, <laughs> you make sure you remember your friends. Cause yeah. We, we would like some um, Patty pie, too. I'm just saying, okay. don't, don't forget your gotcha. friends and family. Gotcha. But this is a hot topic question I got for you guys. I don't know if mm. you were able to see the um, some, some things in social media, but there was this heartfelt letter from Countess Vaughn to Brandy. And I don't know if you're familiar, but... The whole thing was that when they were on uh, Moesha, there was this whole thing. Apparently, they didn't have a good working relationship. And there was even some talk about how, you know, she, there was a discussion over who was the real star of the show. Um, So they had said, you know, at one point in the media that, you know, yeah, she told me that this show wouldn't be popular. And this was Brandy talking about Tannis Vaughn. This show wouldn't be a hit if it wasn't for her. And, you know, they just went back and forth. But I thought it was so beautiful that, you know, Countess Vaughn had actually sent her, I think it was on Instagram, had sent her a message talking about she was just so proud of her, and she was just proud of all the things that she was doing. I mean, she had wrote this long, glowing social media, um, you know, reply to her, or not reply, actually, this this comment. And then Brandy, and she had actually made the point, she said, I hope at some point we can you know, put this behind us and be friends again. 
And, of course, Brandy responded favorably to her, and she was just saying, you know, um, thank you for those kind words. And I think she had said something about check your um, instant messages or whatever, the private messages. So it looked like they're having a reconciliation. They were able to squash the past. They're much older now, and they're going to move forward and put that behind them. So I was wondering for the, the cast, is there anyone from your past that you would like to reach back and maybe, you know, just write a letter to or reach out to and maybe reconcile? Well, yeah. You know what, I think the key to that, what you said, is they're much older. And, like, a lot of times I can think back when I was a child, not even a child, when I was a teenager, early adult. It didn't take much to piss me off. And, you know, I was to the point where when I was through with you, I was through with you. It could be for the most trivial thing. But looking back now, I may see that person forget, you know, why we're upset with each other. And I'm like, you know, let's just squash that. Let's move forward. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people in my past. That I, I can't even think of the people I would need a name. Um, but it's a lot of people. I think it was just because I was immature. Um, but as you get older, hopefully you get wiser. And um, mm-hmm. I think that's what happened with um, with Countess, you know. Whatever diva mode they were in back then, she realized that, you know, the friendship probably was more valuable for that. Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. That. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't got no money right now. And she needs a job. I wasn't going to say that. Oh, I was, thought I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 we also wrong. But you know what? I, I alluded to the last night that I had got married when I was younger because I didn't want to accept who I was going to be. And because of that situation, I had a really, really great friend um, from childhood that she did not want us to be friends because she felt if I stayed friends with him, then I would want to continue in that lifestyle. And I allowed her to persuade me to stop being friends with him. And I do. I would love to just reach out to see what he's doing and apologize for that time mm. um, in our life. Because it was funny, around about the time my dad had just died, and he wanted to be that person because we were like brothers. Wow. You know, he he stayed at my house. My mom brought him school clothes for school. She bought him Christmas. I mean, we were like brothers. And I because I didn't want to be gay so bad, I allowed my wife to dictate to me um, who I could be friends with so that I can live a certain type of life and he would be the one person that I would want to reach back and ask for forgiveness for allowing her to ruin our friendship Mm -hmm. anybody else? I'm sitting here like oh my god Um, I don't have anything that deep I don't think Uh, when I was growing up I, I, I guess I resolved stuff. Like, it was big. Like, I was the one, like, we going to talk this thing through whether you like it or not, and I'm going to kind of get to a space where I can be like, okay, I said what I said, and it is what it is. So I can't think of anybody where I would want to, like, go back and rehash anything because I'm going to resolve it before I can move on. So we're going to make it happen, and then I'm going to just 
keep it moving. I can't think of anybody. Mm-hmm. Liz? I would have to say, if I have to pick somebody, it would have to be my first best friend. Um, We met in fifth grade. We actually beat this girl up together. That was my first fight and my last fight ever. Um, She was like my best friend ever. But then the following year, I had to move because we got stationed. And when I came back to Virginia, we just kind of fell off. But she was, like, really my best. She was the only house I could sleep over because my mom did not play that. Okay. I mean, she actually, but she actually reached out to me um, when Mm. I was in high school, like, maybe junior, senior high school. She was like, hey, I just want you to know, you know, you really got me through some situations. I mean, she had a not that so great, not so great of a family background. She's like, you know, and I hope there's no hard feelings between us. I really don't know what happened between us, but, you know, I hope all is well. And, honestly, I don't know what happened between us. So we kind of had a, you know, little connection, but then it just kind of fell off again. But I I do wish I could go back and keep that friendship going. Mm. Um, I would say... And there's only really one person I could think of, and I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I don't regret ending the friendship because I ended it for very valid reasons. Um, I think sometimes in life, especially when you're a certain age as an adult, well, you guys know, you've ever met that person where there is no talking to them. They're just in a particular headspace where there is no reasoning with them, they see things the way they see it, and they're just not open to conversation. They're not open to an honest dialogue. Like maybe sometimes there's just something they don't want to go there. They don't want to touch the reality of the situation. So in that case, you either make the decision, you continue the relationship and everything that you think is wrong with it, or you end the relationship and you go on. So I chose to end the relationship and go on. I'm not going to be in a situation that's full of drama or toxic or even somewhat abusive. But I wish there was a point somewhere down the road where if that person was in the right mindset and they were really willing to have an open dialogue, um, that we would at least get the opportunity for you to know that there's no hard feelings. Because I think a lot of times when you end something and it doesn't end favorably, people have this you know, people assume a lot. So you assume this is the way the person is feeling, they're feeling this way, blah, 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 because you don't want to sit down and talk about it. But it's like, you know, if ever I end something with someone, there is no hard feelings. I don't have any ill will towards you. You know, I wish you nothing but the best. But I'm just a realist that sometimes in life, there's just sometimes two people cannot occupy the same space. Um, and I believe that certain things are seasonal. You know, we all have those relationships. They're for life. You know, it's it's no ending. That is your person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. You're going to have a wonderful relationship. And then you have other relationships where, you know what, that time has just passed. Um, it was good while it was lasted. They were with you for that season, and now it's just time to move on. Um, so, you know, when the season's up, the season's up. Um, however the separation is, the separation is. But I really don't wish you any hard will. But, you know, there's certain people that you really wish, especially, I guess, if there's no closure, you could go back and just say, 
there was no hard feelings. I wish nothing but the best for you. It may not have ended well or ended the way we like it, but I wish everything but blessings for your life. So I can think of one person I would like to have that conversation with. And who knows, maybe one day we'll get the chance to do that. And, you know, come thinking about this part of the show, there's two people that have not had their interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? The, 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 this young lady who we're going to bring on first, um, she I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, she's really – all of the hard work, the promoting and the, and the administrative things and follow-up with the guests, it is all the handiwork of Alicia Brown. If I did not have her, um, I would be working five times as hard as I do now. So she really helps my load. Go, don't, don't do all that crying. Don't do all that. Okay, I'll hold it. <laughs> but, I'll yeah, hold it. but um, I'm excited. I haven't, you know, we, we haven't listened to each other's interviews because we really wanted no. it to be open, honest, and candid. So we, we don't know how things are going to sound and what people are going to say. So I'm excited to hear um, about Miss Alicia Brown oh, up God. close and personal. So let's listen to what she oh, has Jesus. <laughs> Who is Alicia Brown, the joy guru? Wow. Um, it feels kind of funny to have somebody ask who you are and to actually have to answer those questions. Um, I think one of the unique things about us is that we're just a bag of a whole bunch of mixed stuff. And depending on when you ask that question, you get a variance of answers. But I guess I would say, speaking in third person, Alicia Brown is like a bag of skills. Depending on when you reach in and what uh, piece you pull out depends on what flavor you get. Um, she's funny. Uh, those who knew my dad always said that he was humorous and that I got it from him. Uh, but I would say most of my family, um, they're funny. They're, they're humorous. And after surviving um, a traumatic childhood, I definitely believe God blessed me to find laughter and joy in life. Um, because laughter really is good for the soul. I'm quick-tempered. I like to refer to it as passionate. Um, you can play on words if you like, but I also think that's a trait I inherited from the men in our family. Um, since I was the victim of the worst of uh, somebody else's quick-tempered nature, uh, nature, I really try to have a better control of it and, and how I react to things, but I'm not perfect. Um, I try to use it for good versus evil. Um, Alicia Brown is long-winded sometimes and opinionated. Now, I know if you follow the show, if you're listening to this interview, you would never guess that. Will Strayhorn, shut up. Um, but this is also a good lesson in people. I'm going to stop for a moment for a side here. Um, as a childhood abuse survivor, it really took me many years, and I mean many years, to understand that I had a voice. And I had one that was worth listening to. Um, when you have any traumatic experience that you survive, especially when you're an abuse survivor, um, a lot of times you just learn to be quiet because the abuser is really good at manipulation and, and getting you to believe that, you know, you shouldn't speak. What you say doesn't matter. No one will believe you. And you're just straight in this fear and this silence. Um, so either you're a person, the longer that that happens to you, become a person that says nothing um, and walks around in, in perfect silence. 
or you're someone that goes to the opposite end, and you might be a little loud or, or boisterous. But, you know, I'd rather be a person that has to learn how to tone it down or um, how to to shape and, and mold that to my benefit than go back to that place of feeling like I'm insignificant and what I say does not matter. Um, I believe for people like that, God is trying to open your eyes and open your ears and your heart to understand that you need to take your place and speak boldly um, because there are others like you that you need to encourage and they feel powerless and significant. Um, So you need to be a source of motivation and inspiration for them. Alicia Brown is also stubborn. Um, And I believe that also comes from my my childhood and my, my survival testimony because you know, a, a person that has gone all the way to contemplating suicide, you know, if you're still alive today, I think it was a strong will and, and, and part of that we can call stubbornness that has you still here. And I think when you come from a, a, a place of struggling to survive, you get that fighter instinct, that, that fight or flight syndrome. Um, so it takes a little bit of, of stubbornness. It, it takes some aggression um, to withstand that and, and survive that. Um, so, yeah, she's a little bit stubborn, but, th- but that's good. She also knows how to use that for good purposes. She's joyful, and that's not just because of the media tag of the joy guru. Um, I am one that has learned there is a distinct There is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is something that is predicated on other things. If your money and your honey are right, you're happy. But what happens when those dries up? Um, And life will show you that, you know, sometimes people will lie. They'll disappoint you. The bottom will drop out. Um, But you have to be able to survive those things and still, as God blesses you to, have that spirit of joy. Um, So joy is certainly my gift from God. And it's one of those things because, you know, I wake up every day despite what's going on around around me. I am joyful because I'm still here. Knowing uh, what I survived, knowing the dangers in that season, you know, I didn't have to be here. And I think it's one of those things we all take for granted. No day is promised. So as long as you're alive and breathing, there's nothing but endless possibilities. I don't care how dark the situation is. In an instant, your whole life could change for the better. Um, so as long as you're still breathing, there's opportunities. And you may, must never, never take take that for granted. Um, it's a privilege that many don't have. Um, beyond that, you know, I do have my tagline with my brand of don't just survive. Be determined to thrive. And that's really what I'm about. You know, I, I've seen too many in all stages of life. You know, there are some people that have all the money in the world, that have all the fame and have all the notoriety, and they live behind closed doors as very broken people. They're very unhappy. Their life is basically in shambles, but you would never know it from the outside appearances. And, you know, I believe that so many people have some beautiful stories to tell. Um, I believe so many people that we would never know unless they share it with you personally have survived horrific, just unimaginable ordeals. And if we were privy to those things, 
we would have all sorts of inspiration, motivation, and encouragement. So one of the things I'm so blessed to do it in this season um, as part of Alicia Brown LLC is to be able to work alongside those people. Um, God has just blessed me to be connected to them. I, I, it's like, in, in, in just seems like overnight, they just start coming to me. And that all came from being an author and going out and promoting my books and, and, and writing and publications and things of that nature. But I met these people. And you see them, they have great businesses, they do great charities and organizations. And then you spend some time talking to them, and you're sitting at the table like, wow. And I'm listening to them, and I'm looking at them, and they don't even think they have a story that anybody would want to read. And I'm sitting there just being transformed and encouraged and inspired and going, do you know how many people could benefit from hearing the story? Do you know, you know, for those that have like a nonprofit or a, a business or a particular passion or cause that they're connected to, do you know how many fundraising dollars you can add to that organization and the exposure with the book that talks about that part you just mentioned to me or other people? Do you know what a great story that would be to leave for your family or, you know, a woman that has survived domestic violence? Do you know what a great story that would be to share for other women going through that? The resources that are available that they may not know about to help them and their children. Or someone that has survived childhood abuse, which was one of the reasons I published my first book, to bring that awareness for that person that's on the edge and feel like, I just want to give up. To maybe read something that you went through and find encouragement to not end their life. Because that really is my testimony. By being a reader... There were stories of other people that I read at those dark, dark times that prevented me from killing myself. So I had to pay it for it, and I think we all should do the same. You know, when we write our stories, that's one of the ways that we leave our legacy. So that's just a little bit about who Alicia Brown, the Joy Guru, is. Um, of course, for more, you can always go to my website, thejoyguru.net. And my first name is spelled A L. E-S-H-A, Alicia. Last name is Brown, like the color. Uh, so that's just part of who I am and some of the flavors in my bag of Skittles. But the real question is, what's in yours? See, I told you there was comedy. A bag of Skittles. Perfect. Yes. But in the interest of fairness, I will allow you guys to ask one more question. I don't know why that was in my spirit. <laughs> this is I a got one. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, Liz. <laughs> so, who is Boo? <laughs> I knew. I knew. I knew that was the question. I think we resolved that last night. Uh, did we resolve it last night? I'll give you a hint. Boo, our former Boo, was from Detroit. That's all I got to say. That's the hint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But on that beautiful note, I'm going to, you know, maybe play the Jeopardy song and let you, you know, think about that. We have one other person that we have not heard from, and, um, I think he has a very lengthy interview coming up because apparently he has a lot to say. So we're going to take one quick, 
small commercial so we can get our minds right, get some skills, and then we're going to come back to Let's Face It. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber. A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our every day. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty. Something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right. These are the moments to take a pause. Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia. Or being afraid. It's about standing up and protecting our communities. One detail at a time. Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We. 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 We trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Welcome back to Let's Face It. This is Will Strayhorn. And earlier this week, I had the privilege and the honor to meet um, a fascinating young guy um, at an event that I was attending, um, Travis. Welcome to the show, Travis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just wanted to thank you, number one, for filling in at the last minute to um, interview me. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you also for coming out to our Christmas event last night. Um, hope that you enjoyed yourself. We're, you know, a crazy bunch. We're a big old family, but um, we, we thank you for coming and participating in our event last night. Oh, thank you. It was definitely a wonderful group of people. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, great. And so today I see we're going to uh, dive into a little more of who actually is Will Strayhorn. So we have a few questions here, a, lo- a few a little bit personal, but at the same time, you know, you're around family, you might as well say, so we're going to keep it comfortable and keep it classy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> right? And so um, I-, I know you've done a lot within the entertainment industry, uh, might as well say just a-, a whole gambit of different things, but... And all of that, when do you really feel most alive? Um, Most alive? You know, I used to say um, when I was doing makeup, when I was teaching, because that's pretty much how my career started. This January will actually be 20 years that I've been in the beauty industry. Now, I used to tell people that I felt most alive when I was teaching um, on stage, whether I was working with L'Oreal or whatever, in, in a mode of teaching. But right now... Um, I'm going through, like, this transition stage, and it's whenever I'm on stage, like, in light. Um, lately, it's been, like, on TV, filming the new talk show that um, I'm a host of that will be starting in March. Whenever those lights are on, for some reason, I feel this burst of energy, and I just come alive. So I'm noticing that um, I'm liking the light. I'm liking where it's leading me. So I would have to say whenever I'm on stage in front of a crowd, 
Um, and that, as a child, that was like one of my biggest fears, um, all the attention being on me. But I'm really enjoying the, the light. Okay, so you said that I guess that light really brings new inspiration for you for to kind of inspire other people or, or yeah, to just share what you have with the world? It does, yeah. And you know what? It's funny that you said that because I had to realize that I was still in that teaching capacity. Some time ago when I was working with my life coach, um, Chuck Carrington, he had gave me a, a spiritual gifts assessment, and, and my number one gift was teaching and inspiration. And I realized that, um, and I've shared this on the show before, that throughout my life I've always um, enjoyed moments when I was teaching. <clears throat> like I said before, when I was even in the beauty industry, well, I still am, um, I was most alive when I was in front of a class teaching, um, when I was with L'Oreal teaching, when I was doing my image presentations, I was still teaching. And even on the talk show, we teach people about social issues. So I'm still working in that gift. I'm just working in a different um, area of that gift. So, yeah. Okay. I think that's definitely uh, awesome to say the least because you'd yeah. be able to utilize that drive for to be able to inspire others, for to be able to pursue their different careers and dreams exactly. that they may have. So that's, that's mm-hmm. excellent, at least. So do you ever see yourself possibly just moving forward just down the teaching avenue or still moving forward with a combination? What, what would you say is <clears throat> next in, in addition with the uh, the talk show that you mentioned? Um, always, <clears throat> excuse me, sinuses, always in the teaching field, um, not in the classroom setting. Mm-hmm. I thought about that earlier. After high school, um, I went to Norfolk State, and I was there for teaching. I really did not like um, being confined to a classroom. I always liked being, using my life and using my experience to help inspire people to do better, to live um, fuller lives, but I never saw myself confined to um, a classroom. So I'm liking this avenue of the media, of broadcast. I'm in school now for communication and broadcast. I should graduate in December of next year. Um, and I'm, I'm really liking I'm, where, where, thank you, thank you. Where I'm seeing myself is somewhere um, on TV. Um, everybody knows that Oprah is my biggest mentor and um, how she used her platform to, to build a Live Your Best Life platform. And I see myself doing something similar to that. Still teaching, but more in, um, in a larger way outside of the classroom. Oh, that sounds great, to say the least. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Oprah. So I'm curious, so who else are uh, service inspirations to you in your career? Um, surprisingly enough, Steve Harvey. Um, I read his book, Think Like a Success, Act Like a Success, and it totally revolutionized the way I think about um Because for the longest time, one of my problems was is that I felt like I was a guy born with no gift. Um, and, and he was the one who pretty much inspired me to seek my life coach and um, to figure out what it was that I was good at. And his whole philosophy was that um, you had to figure out where you wanted to be, your ultimate goal, and then you had to figure out what your gift was. And then you would use your gift to um, pretty much as a vehicle to do different things to get to the ultimate gift. And his inspiration was he was a comedian, and he ultimately thought himself where he is now. But he had to use the first gift of being a stand-up comedian, then I think he got his radio show, then he got his TV show, and that Mm -hmm. led to the family feud, and how he just kept Mm -hmm. building, building, building to get to that. Still as a comedian, still being funny, 
he used that mm-hmm. to um, get him to his ultimate goal. So my gift being teaching, um, I was with L'Oreal. I'm in salon. I do classes now. Um, the, t- the TV show, the radio show, and now the talk show that will be coming on in March, still using that gift of teaching and inspiring people to ultimately get to where I want to be, which is I ultimately want to have a uh, TV talk show, a national TV talk show. Oh, wow. I think you'd be able to definitely touch on a lot of people's hearts from that point of view, huh? I, I hope so. That's my goal. So that does bring up an interesting question at the same time, then. So uh, if you even had the opportunity um, with you, with how far you've already come and the aspirations mm-hmm. that you currently have right now, uh, do you, would you would you say that you would ever uh, time travel in the past or the future? to see what, what life would hold for you, or maybe there's something in your past that you would have liked to change that maybe kind of steer you in a different direction, or what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, if you had asked that question of me probably about seven months ago, I would tell you that I wanted to go in the past. Because I've shared on the show a lot of times that there are things in my past that I wish I could change, but Thinking about it, if I had changed those things for the better, I probably wouldn't be where I am today because, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up, I was a spoiled kid. I was a spoiled kid, and I was um, I was lazy for the most part. Um, and because I made some mistakes early on as an adult in my early 20s, um, it, it forced me to really push myself to become ambitious because I knew that certain, certain um, opportunities weren't going to be available to me because of the mistakes that I made. And um, I think I will look into the future because I just like to see now where all of this is leading. Because I know the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I know that everything that I've been through, the things that I view as my mistakes, as times when I was stupid, um, they, they weren't mistakes at all. They were a part of this big plan that God has for my life. And I would just like to see ultimately, you know, why I went through all of it. So I would say I want to travel in the future. Okay. So uh, I think you touched on something that was just very, very important there, and it being the fact that a matter of that, you know, possibly going into the past would change who you are now. And you yeah. know, I think we all go through those different trials and tribulations to be able to really make ourselves that much stronger. And I believe that's probably how you're really one of the ways that you're able to uh many people now, and I think that definitely will even make you that much more successful in your future endeavors as well. So to say the least, like that's that's definitely awesome. So what uh we're taking that into heart, uh what what would you say actually is one of your uh one of your strong strongest qualities because you do have quite a few. Well thank you. Um my ambition <clears throat> is one of the strongest ones and then my resilience. Um, I'm in the process of actually of writing three books at the same time. Um, haven't written in them. I actually wrote in one this morning, um, which is well, I won't even go into it right now. But one of the books I started writing in today about some experiences that happened last night at the event, um, which were um, really cathartic for myself. And I, I and I they were therapy for me. And I thought about them all last night. So I woke up this morning early. Didn't go to church. I mean, I just wrote the early part of the morning. But um, I would say my resilience, because I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. And when everything comes out 
you'll probably look at me and be like, oh, my God, you're still here. You're still standing. But um, I've been through a lot, and I think my resilience and my ambition to, despite of everything, still succeed, um, those are probably my, my, my best qualities, I would say. Okay, that's that's excellent. I, and I believe uh, I'll say your track record definitely has shown that your ambition is, has served you well up to this point, I will say, <laughs> and will serve you well <laughs> in the you. future. So, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> so now at this point, aside from your show, what, uh, what, what do you uh, – I know you had mentioned your books uh, that you already right. are uh, writing, and it's quite a few at one time. So uh, aside from the books and uh, the, uh, the coming talk show, what, what do you really – what do you think about more than anything else outside, outside uh, professionally and uh, with, with your own just personal time? Like, where, where is your mind normally at? Um, hmm. You know what I want? I want – let me backtrack. If I had to say – before I, I told people on the show that one of my biggest regrets in life was that I never had kids. Um, during that test that I took with my life coach – also revealed that I have excellent um, parental, something that said that I should be a, a parent. Um, and that's something I've always longed to have a child for some reason. Um, so I think about being in love. I think about having a family. I think about um, me and my partner being extremely successful, extremely important, um, supportive of one another, but most of all just that overwhelming sense of love. Um, and that's what I think I'm missing right now. So I, I, I often in my car I daydream. I, people probably next to me laugh because I'm smiling. In my mind, I'm just thinking of normal day-to-day instances of me and the person I'm in love with, laughing at our kids, our three dogs, and our big house. You know, <laughs> those are the things I think about. I know it may sound stupid, but those are the things that come in my mind. I think about that sometimes more than I think about my career and success. Um, just being in love, I, I miss that. I think this, this, your mind is in the same place as, uh, you know, many of us out there, I believe. You know, we all mm-hmm. just want to be able to be, be happy. We want to feel that we have that um, ha- have that whole field, you know, where uh, we're exactly. able to serve as a support line for someone else, people that we care about, people that we love. And so with that said, though, um, I, I will say, have you ever considered basically uh, – uh, serving as a uh, mentor to kind of cover the avenue from a professional and personal standpoint in a way. Is there anyone you'd ever uh, consider taking on uh, to serve as a mentor in the avenue? Um, to mentor me? You mean? No, for you to uh, mentor someone else. Well, you know, I do. I do. I have a um, a four-month training class of up-and-coming makeup artists, really not even makeup artists, people who um, want to somewhat follow in my footsteps of being a makeup artist. And this came from basically when I was coming up in hair school and wanting to be a makeup artist, there weren't a lot of people who were willing to help me for whatever reason. Um, They just kind of like brushed me off. And I had made a vow to myself that when I got to a certain position in my career, um, I would reach back and I would help four people. Well, I didn't have a number at that time, but I said I wanted to reach back and help people who had that same drive and determination, who wanted someone to mentor them. And about three years ago, I started the LFI Makeup Academy, 
And I've had four people each year from December to March. We just started December 13th. Four individuals, which I chose, who have no makeup experience, who want to pretty much follow in um, the career path that I did to become a makeup artist and to work with some great people. Um, and, and that's my way of mentoring. Even when they graduate, um, I still call on them. As a matter of fact, the TV show that I'm going to be hosting, we hired a couple of them to be staff makeup artists and hairstylists for the show. So um, I get a lot of gratification from that, just knowing that um, I was able to take my life, and there were times in my life when I didn't feel like my life really meant anything. But to be to a point where people look up to me, they admire me, um, just gives me a lot of inspiration to want to reach back even more and help more people. Oh, wow. To to be honest with you, to say the least, it sounds like you've already uh, really started building that family that you're describing. You know, maybe not in the most uh, conventional sense that some may say, but (laughs) it sounds like you're definitely well on your way there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I want the traditional. I want the traditional sense. That's what (laughs) I want. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. I appreciate that, too, though. Yeah. Okay, no worries, no worries. And so um, I know with all the the different things that we've talked about so far today, um, with uh, where you've come from to where you are now, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the biggest milestones, really, that brought you to this point? Oh, wow. Um, Milestones, let me see. That's a great question. Hmm. You know what? I would have to say, as far as kicking off this new um, reinvention of who I am as a as a professional, it would have to be the economy. And I, I've told people in my some of my presentations, my classes mm-hmm. before. You know, I was very happy and and living a very um, having a very prosperous career, living a, a wonderful life, um, just being behind the chair. This is prior to two thousand and eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine when the economy was strong. So I wasn't, you know, inspired or I was I didn't feel like there was a need for me to even explore any other gifts and talents that I had. But once the economy hit, um I was faced with, you know, possibly having to get a part time job. And the idea of that really scared me because I, I was always in the mindset of to work smarter, not harder. And me trying to work a part time job meant I had to work harder. So it kind of forced me to reevaluate myself, to reinvent myself, and that's pretty much when I launched my biz- my my own salon. That's when I launched my pageant business, my my bridal business. We launched the um, we used to have a, a a a hair collection, a hair weave collection, um, and just to really explore oh. all the talents I had and figure out how I could create additional revenue. And I think that was probably a lot of people look at the economy as just being horrible, but but it, to me it really forced me to see all the gifts and talents that I had and to create other avenues for myself. And also the radio show came from that. So I would say that would, that would probably be the biggest milestone in the economy that hit me, that forced me. Oh, oh definitely. I think uh, to say least it, it it really hit uh, a number of people really hard. Exactly. And uh, yeah. it forced many of us to get a lot, lot more creative and have to you know make maybe some tough choices there. So exactly. I, I definitely exactly. commend you on that one. Thank you. So I, I know you have so many things going on. You mentioned the books. You mentioned the talk shows, the radio. So out of all of this, you know, how do you how do you maintain basically being level? How do you maintain just 
keeping that sense of I have it together and you know where how how do you maintain that? Um you know what I've never had that problem. I've never had that problem. Um I have a publicist, Nikki Curry, who often when she introduces herself and then I'll be honest, when a lot of times when people introduce me at events, they always use the word humble. And I was like, Humble for what? Because for me, in my mind, I still have a, a long way to go. So I don't, you know, sometimes people can see a lot more in you than you see in yourself. And um, earlier this season, the beginning of our season, we had a show called Confessions. And my confessions were that I often feel like a fake because a lot of people hold me at a certain level that I don't really think that I'm there myself internally. And I know it's a fault. That's not a fault. Um, but I've never felt the need to to feel bigger than myself. I've never displayed that I'm bigger than myself because I really yet have gotten, I haven't gotten to the point where I feel like I'm there. Yeah. Um, regardless of how many people say it, you know, until you feel it yourself, you really can't, um, I, I really can't um, harp on that because I don't feel like I'm there. I still feel like I have a long way ahead of me to get to where I want to be because I know my dream for myself is huge. It's huge. And it's outside of Virginia. It's outside of a salon. Uh-huh. Um, it's outside of the reach of the people that I have. I want to reach the masses. Um, so I still have a long way to go. So I, I haven't had to deal with not being humble or trying to lay, you know, remain level because I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel like I still have a long way ahead of me. Oh, wow. Well, that's it. well if you ask me, it seems like that you definitely have all the qualities to uh to go anywhere that you desire to be honest with you. So so with that said, would you say is are you holding yourself back in any form or fashion or uh, are you nervous about getting even further outside of the box or what, what are your thoughts? No. Um, I definitely do feel like I hold my, I'm, my, I'm my own worst enemy because like I said, a lot of people um, see more in me than I see in myself. I don't know where that came from. Um, of course, we can always trace things back to our childhood or, you know, some some sub, subconscious, um, subliminal message that was transferred to us. But I, I don't know where that came from. Um, but I, I definitely know that I hold myself back in not believing in myself, second-guessing myself. Um, so often I'll think that I'm not ready for something. You know, an opportunity will get to me, come to me, and I'll pass it up. Then I'll see it down the road, somebody else did it, and I'm like, oh, I could have did that better if I had believed in myself. So I know that um, God's working with me on a lot of things, and I know that he's definitely preparing me for mm-hmm. for, for my purpose. So um, I think all that's going to work together in the end, all that's going to come together. I'm reading. Like I said, I have a life coach, um, and I'm working through a lot of issues, a lot of things. that I've had a lot of breakthroughs as well um, in realizing why I, I, I fail to – believe that I'm good enough in a lot of circumstances. Um, going through, you know, a breakup, I went through a breakup this summer. That did a lot of damage to my self-esteem. I'm, I'm still recovering from that. Um, but mm. still in that, I still feel like that's a part of God's plan for me and that it had to happen. So I will ultimately have to say that I know I'm holding myself. Hopefully I won't be here long holding myself back and that I'll be able to rise, you know, to the occasion of what God called me to be and ultimately walk into my purpose. Uh, and I think that goes right back to like we were saying before, you know, just the different things that you go through are what make you a, that much more of a strong person. Exactly. And, exactly. You know, a strong leader for other individuals as well. 
And exactly. at the same time, I know you mentioned that you were, you know, sometimes you may be your own critic, your your own worst critic. But that that definitely uh, is is a tool that you can use to be able to make sure that that you're you're shape your skills and everything that much better exactly. than you know than it was before to continue to challenge yourself. And so that's exactly. I, I, I think that definitely you know I wouldn't don't consider it as something that would. Uh, that will hold you back. I think, if, if anything, mm-hmm. it's really definitely serving you well. So, so I implore you there. I, I, I um, do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, uh, I, I know you had mentioned that uh, you kind of went through a, a little bit of a rough time a little earlier within the year. Um, yeah. what, what are some of the things that actually, I'll say more so, uh, that really touch your heart as a person? Uh, I know you... You hear a lot of other people, different experiences, different people that you're around. Uh, I know that kind of makes a different uh, melting pot of personalities. But um, what what really uh, touches your heart is is it more so family? I know that um, you had mentioned that that was part of uh, what you would like to have in the future. Uh, I'm just curious yeah. what uh, what touches you most. Um. Family's always been important to me, and I, I'm I'm blessed to all, to come from a very supportive family. Um, earlier on, we weren't as as close as we are now, but you know, there's always been love and support in the family. I think what hurts me mostly now is when I see people that um, don't have that. Um, especially a lot of the kids now, we have a, a high rate of um, teen suicide. A lot of times coming from identity issues, their family disowning them for being themselves. So th- those are the type of issues that really um, make me mourn, um, seeing people in pain, seeing people hurt. And then um, also illness. I had a transplant about mm, three years ago, February the 11th, actually oh, the day wow. that Whitney Houston passed. I had a kidney transplant. So I've, I've had oh, the passion. Wow. I'm actively involved with the National Kidney Foundation as one of their ambassadors. Um, we'll be going to Capitol Hill in March to um, petition some of our um, our legislators to get more funding for kidney disease research. Um, so health issues, people who are going through different illnesses, that's a very tender place in my heart as well. So people who are broken, some people who are who are ill, people who are hurt, um, really touches my heart right now. Oh wow! So what 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 other endeavors in the future? So. Uh, I believe it's kind of related to uh, you were experiencing renal fail, failure, I guess, kidney failure. Exactly. Yeah, I was on I was on dialysis from 2006, 2012, and I did it every day. I did it at home. Um, still mm-hmm. school, still work. A lot of people did not even know it because, um, mm-hmm. again, I think it was a part of the purpose I had to go through. I did a lot of spiritual growth during that period. Um, I got back to know God. I rededicated my life to him, and... Um, I could feel his presence because I didn't even look like what I was going through. That's why a lot of people didn't even know it. Um, and when I told people that I had the transplant, I got so many people who had messaged me on Facebook. Um, still to this day, I get a lot of people who message me wanting to know, you know, what to expect and how did I do it. Because I still, I, I remain, I felt pretty much myself going through it. A lot of people, you hear horror stories about dialysis. But to me, I was I was still active. Um, I didn't feel sick. Um and I, I still had my dream, so I knew that was just something I had to go through. 
Well, I commend you, and, and I'm, I'm just happy that you're able to be here to be able to yeah. to share your Thank story you. because that's the, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say uh, kidney failure and kidney disease is, is something that's yeah. affecting so many people that are out there. I, I mean, exactly. individuals with diabetes, and they may not realize that that's the exact route that you're going down, the exactly. resolving different kidney issues like that. And so this for you to be here yeah. and be able to share your experience with others and how you're able to, you know, uh, make it and be be successful and make it through, you know, that's that's mm -hmm. awesome to say the least. So, Thank you. Thank uh, you. I, I'm I'm curious though. So, what 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 was really going through your mind up until the point that uh, you were able to get that transplant? Like, how I guess how long were you on dialysis before you were able oh, to? Oh wow. Um, I was on dialysis for six years. And um, it was very funny because um, me and my partner at that time, um, when I went through dialysis, I, I thought I was being punished. I thought I was being punished for being myself by God. I took it as a punishment. Um, and I had there was an experience one night when um, I was preparing myself to break up with my partner because I felt like that was not what God wanted me to do and he was punishing me by um, by ruining my kidneys. Now, I remember having a very... Um, vivid dream that night that almost felt, I still feel like it was not a dream, where God basically told me that once, he told me once the intimacy was restored, everything else would be okay. Now listen to me carefully, because I thought that what he was talking about was once the intimacy between my partner and I was restored, that everything else would be okay with us. It wasn't for a couple of months that I realized that God was pulling me closer to him. And he said, once the intimacy was restored with him, everything else would be okay, meaning that he was fine with me and my partner, but it was just, he, wanted to, he wanted more of me um, because I had always been into my partner 100%, and God was always on the back burner. Um, so I feel uh, like, um, yeah, I just feel like that whole time God was, and like I said, during that time was a spiritual strengthening for me, those six years that he had me on dialysis. And there was a time that I got there, like probably about my fourth year, um, I was growing weary, thinking that, you know, that dream was all made up, thinking that God was punishing me, thinking that I was going to die. Um, because, you know, on dialysis, you can only live but so long. But mm -hmm. thanks be to God, on February the 11th, you know, the day Whitney Houston lost her life, I gained my life again by getting a transplant. So oh, wow. I, I'm looking at life a lot different now. I don't count things as mistakes. I try to look at the lessons, even with the breakup that I went through that, again, tore me down. Just trying to look at why God would allow that and then what lessons um, can come from that. Yeah, always just looking at the lesson in it. Oh, wow. Also, that's de that is definitely a success story. As I, I will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in uh, they normally share with people that you may normally only be on dialysis for about six, five years or so. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, for, for, yeah. For so I was to, getting worried. I was getting scared. Okay. I was getting scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I had already planned out my funeral. It was already. It's still planned. I still have it in my drawer. I had planned it out. Hadn't told anyone about it, but I had everything already planned out because I was planning for it because it hadn't come to pass yet. What I thought I had heard. What I know that I heard now, but during this the storm that I was in, you know, thought that it was, it was made up and that God was punishing me. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I would say, well, I guess you didn't ask me the question, but I guess that's something that's touched my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, what were you going to say? I, what were you going to say? Well, well, actually, I've had experiences with my family, funny enough, that was, you know, related to uh, kidney disease and, and mm-hmm. things of that sort. And it, it's, yeah. it is a lot to, to deal with. I mean, you definitely have yeah. to have your, your support line there. You, you, you need something yeah. to keep giving you that drive that, you mm-hmm. know, and a, a lot of individuals don't have it. And, you know, that yeah. and that's one of the biggest things I would say that, you know, kind of leads people down the wrong road when you go through something um, yeah. major such as that. You, you, you have to keep pushing. You have to keep, you know, uh, moving forward. And, and um, I, I know you had mentioned before, like, you, uh, you started going to the gym and things like that. And so yeah. um, that's promoting your health even more. So it, it seems yeah. like you're really uh, on the ground with moving forward with that, too. Um, would would you be able to share your experience with that so far? Yeah, well, um, when I had my transplant, you know, with everything, there's a side effect. So I'm on a whole bunch of medications just to keep my kidney going. One of the drugs that I do take is prednisone, which is a steroid. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, since 2012, I've gained, like, 50 pounds. But as of this summer, I've lost 25 of those. Um, and oh, actually, starting today, I'm going to be working again with the trainer, which will be televised during the talk show. Basically, um, the host and myself, we're going to do a weight loss and fitness journey. And they're going to journal, journal us on TV, you know, losing the weight, getting healthy, starting to eat healthy, and all of that. So I'm excited about losing these last 25 pounds and building up because, you know, I'm a man of a certain age and I just want to keep that sexy going. I don't want to, you know, become all old because I have a lot of work to do to get to this dream and I need this body to hold up. Yeah. All right. Well, here, here's <laughs> that. That is awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you definitely will have to uh, keep us posted with those, uh, those doing that. I will. I will. I will. I <laughs> because will. Uh, to say the least, uh, people even such as myself, we love hearing more and more about the great things that you're doing, and you're definitely serving as an inspiration to others. So um, I, I don't have any other uh, questions. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very thank much you. for your time. And I want to thank you for interviewing me. And you know what? Like I said, you're a really cool guy. I'm, I'm grateful that I met you this week, and you know, I hope a, a, a wonderful friendship comes from this. Thank you so much. Same here. You have a great afternoon. All right. You too.
shows, all of our favorite, you know, news headlines, and then, you know, things that we have planned, things that we learned throughout the year, and also things that we have planned for next year. Um, were, you, were you about to say something, Alicia? No. Mm-mm. You weren't? Okay. All right. Well, hopefully you all learned something from, you know, about us. Um, again, we apologize for Nathan, his, his, his interview, some technical difficulties, but all is good. You'll learn more about him um, in the future. Trust me, he's always talking about himself. But we just want to say thank you for tuning in, and please make sure you tune in next week. Um, call in, go on our Facebook page, tweet us, and let us know what you want us to talk about next week. So until next week, have a blessed week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.